0: Say this, he is risen. He is risen indeed. That is right. He is risen indeed. And we are going to continue to celebrate this morning. My name's Tyler. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here. Glad that you are with us this morning. And what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, at this at the sunrise service this morning we had in the park at 7:30. It was such a great little scene. And you know. If you've seen the weather report, it's supposed to rain and it's going to be cloudy. I think it's cloudy now, if I remember, as I just exited the lobby and came in here. And in the middle of the service, you know, God usually outdoes himself, but on Easter, he really outdoes himself. And so, halfway through the second song, and as I was sharing just a short message, and then the response song, the clouds kind of blew away. And the sun was in full view. And of course, the sun would be in full view. On Easter morning, because Jesus was in full view out of the tomb. And I just love that. And you know, sometimes it rains on Easter, but this morning it was just cool and you could hear the birds and it was really still and quiet. And I just was thinking, I wonder if this is what it was like before the stone rolled away. Because you know, when the stone rolled away, everything got a little crazy, right? But this morning it was such a a great time this morning. And one of the things we talked about was some uh, great phrases. Uh, that we either said or written down. And one of them, no, it's not the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. That was not one of them that we shared this morning. But the two that we talked about was it is finished. On Friday, Jesus on the cross said it was finished. But then as we're going to look at the passage this morning, the angel also says he is not here. Isn't that a great statement? He is not here. And before we get there, we're going to be in Matthew, but before we get there, I want to talk about John the Baptist, you know, and, and John the Baptist not your typical Easter morning uh, piece to a message, but John the Baptist is really important, and if you know the story at all of who John the Baptist is, he was the, and this thing's my jacket, you know, I never wear a jacket, and we're going to have problems with said jacket. like I said that's not going to work either though is it just is dead air but you know what even in dead air I'm good I'll be all right. even in dead air Jesus is still alive amen amen so what y'all didn't hear is I said even in dead air Jesus is still alive my apologies We tried it and it worked for about thirty seconds, but there you go. So John the Baptist, as I was saying, John the Baptist is not our typical Easter morning uh, message, but John the Baptist is really important in the life of who Jesus is. He was the forerunner, and if you know who he is, he he's a, a cousin to Jesus. And if you know the story, like Mary is pregnant. John the Baptist's mother is pregnant and the babies get together and and they leap in the womb at one another. Like John the Baptist, even in the womb, is announcing the glory of who Jesus is. And what I love about him is like he also says, I'm unfit to untie the shoes of the sandals of Jesus. But yet he baptizes him and the, the dove comes down. We all know the story, right? Well, there's also another part to John's story. He's in trouble. And This is toward the end of his life. He's in trouble, and he is waiting in jail if he's going to be sentenced to death or not. And at his lowest point, he has questions on whether Jesus actually is the Messiah. He has questions on whether Jesus actually is the Messiah. In Matthew chapter eleven, two through six, we get this interchange, or eleven verses two through six, we get this interchange between John. In his followers. And so when Jesus has finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went out on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And then here comes John. Now when John heard in prison, John's in prison because he called someone out and that caught him in trouble, and now he doesn't know if he's going to exit that prison. Seems kind of appropriate for this morning, agreed? Don't know if he's going to exit that prison or not. But when John heard in prison about the deeds of Of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Are you the one? Now this is the guy who knows who he is. This is the guy who's related to him. This is the guy who says, This is the guy I am unfit to tie this untie the sandals of. And at his lowest point, he says, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look? For another, Friends, sometimes Jesus comes in our life in a way that we don't understand it. And that's what John's interacted with. He thought John, Jesus was going to do X. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. We oftentimes think Jesus is going to do X when in fact he does Y, right? We think he's going to do one thing. He actually does another. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And I love this in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The dead are raised up. On Easter morning, because Jesus has exited the tomb, the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John's at his lowest point, and even still he had questions. And if John the Baptist felt this way when Jesus was alive, how much more questions and sadness were felt by his followers in his death? But as the Bible says, there is joy in the morning. There is joy on this morning, the joy that surpasses all other kinds of joy. All the things, all the things like I've been thinking about this week, all the things I love, all the things I like, all the things I like to do, the joy of knowing who Jesus Christ is surpasses all of those. And it doesn't even touch it. And it doesn't even touch it. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. I want to look at the resurrection passage this morning. We're going to spend just a few minutes here. I just want to read this over us this morning, verses 1 through 10 in chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary... How would you like to be the other Mary, by the way? Like, the Bible's full of stuff that's really funny to me. The other Mary. Like, don't tell me I'm the other Mary. But anyway, okay. The other Mary went to see the tomb. I'm sorry, that wasn't in my notes. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, I love this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And then there's this phrase, he is not here. He is not here for he has risen. And as he said, come see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they have departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, I love this. Like I said, the Bible is chock full of stuff like this. Greetings. Hey, how's it going? Good morning. And they came up and look at their response. So, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped. They would not let him go. That's, I think, our charge this morning, friends, is can we not... Let the feet of Jesus go in this moment, in the season we find ourselves in. And they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Again, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There they will see me. We never actually get to see Jesus walk out of the tomb in this passage or any of the passages of the resur- of Easter morning in the Gospels. Like, it's not written down. It's because it wasn't witnessed. It happened before they got there. Don't you love that? Don't you love it, the fact that actually Jesus is at work even when you don't see him? Like he is at work, he is at play, he is maneuvering things in your life that you don't even know. Like we all play checkers because we're temporal and finite, and Jesus plays chess because he is infinite and glorious. You ever feel that way? Like, I'm playing checkers and Jesus is playing chess. That's what happened this morning. But Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, and it's something that you and I have to take on faith. And faith, very simply, is belief in something unseen, even though, like I said a second ago, the text does not ever mention Jesus walking out of the tomb. He is risen then, and he is risen now. He is risen now. Verse 2, just as there was an earthquake that announced Jesus' death on the cross, there is also an earthquake that announces Jesus being alive again. And if you know the story on Good Friday, Jesus gives up the ghost. He says, it is finished. And when he says it is finished, by the way, he's not just talking about him. He's talking about us too. Like it is it is finished, and there's this curtain in the temple that separates man from the holiest place on the planet, and I love this image. It gets torn. When Jesus dies, it gets torn, and it doesn't get torn from bottom to top. It gets t- torn from top to bottom as this to symbolize God entering our mess forever. You know, one day a year, which is this time of the season in the story of the Passover, that... One guy can enter into the mercy seat and then ask for forgiveness on behalf of God's chosen people. Only once a year. You walk in that room, you're dead. But then I love the beauty of this message where the curtain is torn and it's like God saying, you know what, there is no more separation between you and me. I'm going to be with you always. And it rings true if you think about even Jesus' words a chapter later in Matthew, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And we think about all the things that have impacted our worlds in the last few years, from war to pandemics to economic and political upheaval. Yet, how often do we think about Jesus' death and resurrection as earth-moving? I let those other things impact my day-to-day existence. But do I ever stop and think about not just Jesus' life and death and life again being earth-moving, but also life-changing, life-changing. And I love it, just as God announced his birth. I just love the bookends to this passage. Just as God announced his birth and his presence on earth through angels, an angel of the Lord now is announcing his resurrection. Just the interplay of that. Because who better than for God to tell God's alive, right? And to send someone that speaks for him. Right? I mean, we could do it, but it certainly feels a lot better in that regard. Verses 4 and 5. The guards are so scared, it says, right? And for fear of him, the guards trembled. Fear of him, the angel. The guards trembled. The guards are so scared they passed out. Like, they're guards. I'm assuming they're strong and probably have weapons and armor and all the things. They were so scared they passed out. But the two Marys, for some reason, didn't. Isn't that funny? Like, they're supposed to be doing their job and they, and they pass out, but the two said, it's interesting. Someone who was following Jesus did not pass out when someone who was just a bystander did. And the guard's job was to keep the tomb secured so the disciples could not steal the body. See, the, the, the ruling authorities were afraid that if they stole his body, then the lie of Jesus being resurrected was going to continue to be perpetuated. And they wanted to squash all of that but yet the tomb was rolled away. And you know, in the Bible, again, in its humor, anytime an angel appears to people, they lose it. They lose their stuff, right? And it makes sense. Like, can you imagine how terrifying it is to see someone who is described as lightning? Like, have you ever been outside in a lightning storm? It's kind of scary. It feels a little dangerous. I wonder if that's what being in the presence of an angel is like. It probably feels a little dangerous. It probably feels a little threatening. Someone described as lightning and also white as snow. Yet, I love this, the Marys did not pass out. They did not pass out. But what was more fearful to them is not the angel's appearance, but the certainty that they were coming to the tomb this morning to meditate next to Jesus' dead body. They were more afraid of him being dead than the angel being in their presence. And they were looking for anything. To change their mind. You ever been that way? Like I just need one thing. Just, I need a bump or I need a level up or I need something. Just to change my perspective and you hold on to that thing is most dear. And then in verse 5 it also says this. The angel said, you seek Jesus, I love this, who was crucified. He was crucified but he is no longer dead. Referring to Jesus' death in the past Do you realize Jesus' death is in the past tense? I understand we know that on today and we celebrate the fact of that, but what does that look like when you celebrate that tomorrow? Or next week? Or a month from now? Or a year from now? The reality of it is, is what Jesus wants for you and for me is to actually live in his resurrection every day. In every moment. And bring that kind of perspective. You might feel defeated by your circumstances. The the deck of cards might be stacked against you. It's not against Jesus. You might think like there is no hope. There is hope in Jesus. And it's because he is alive. He is alive. And then verse 6. The angel says this. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. The book of Ephesians, I'm not going to go there, but talks about the resurrection. There it is. It's Ephesians 1:20 that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead by the way, if you know Jesus as a follower this morning, sits right here at the intersection of our heart and our spirit and our soul. We have, and it's, a, I know, I'm going to go all cliche this morning because it's Easter and I can do all the stops and you guys are kind of stuck listening to me this morning, right? But the reality of it is this, you and I have access to resurrection power if we want to have access to it. There's the kicker though, if if we want to have access to To it, It's there waiting to be used like potential energy. Do you want it or not? Or is it easier to kind of sit where we sit and have the thoughts that we have? But he is not here. He is risen. And in verse 7, in their joy, they go to tell the disciples. I love this. Verse 7, culturally, just so you know, like in first century Palestine, which is where we are in the scriptures, culturally men were before women in the first century. Like, that's true. Like, the fact that, you know, and earlier in the week when one of the Marys here that we're talking about this morning, um, sounds like a song, like, that, like a song for the night, it's the two Marys or something, I don't know. But anyway, like one of the Marys, uh, she breaks open the jar and, and, and anoints Jesus before his trial and in, in his crucifixion. Like, the fact that she was even in the room was blasphemy. That's what Jesus does. He takes things, turns them on their head, and what feels a little dangerous, right? I was talking about it a second ago. It feels a little uneasy, feels a little dangerous. Jesus actually goes, you know, let's just move everything aside so that people can be in my presence. So the fact that he revealed himself or God revealed that Jesus is resurrected to women tells you all the importance you need to know of how important women were to Jesus, to Christianity, and to the kingdom. Like, he takes those who are less than, that culture would say, and say, actually, no, you're more than. That's what he does, too. He takes you who really, if if, if I'm being honest just for myself, like, I'm less than, and then because of his death and resurrection, actually makes me more than. And there's a lot of things that hold a lot of people down. But actually, in the resurrection and the power of Jesus, we're more than than. We're more than. And then, you know, in verse 9, I love the contrast here. Jesus says, greetings. You know, like, you know, they're, they're running. I mean, can you imagine the joy they felt? Remember, they entered this morning Probably sadder than what John felt like in the jail cell a second ago. We were looking earlier in Matthew. They entered this day mournful. They entered this day sorrowful. They entered this day defeated. They entered this day like, we don't know what we're going to do next. They entered the day completely with the wrong perspective. I mean, it's not like it was a secret. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. And people thought, oh, that building. How are you going to build that building that took... A hundred years to build after we built it the second time, right? They entered that morning with that posture, and now they're running. They are running as hard as they can run. I mean, just imagine this, like the stillness, the quietness, the stones rolled away, there's been an earthquake, those dudes are passed out like they're dead men, and they're taken off down the road because they can't contain themselves, and Jesus finds them and says greetings. Hey, good morning. Good morning nice to see you. I didn't know you'd be here. You know, it's like the interaction we would have in the supermarket, it seems like to me, you know. But I love, I love their response to his regular response of hello, greetings. They fall down and worship. They worship so hard they grabbed his ankles. When is the last time we have had that kind of encounter with Jesus where he meets us wherever we are, where the things are good or bad or straight or crooked or upside down or right side up, and he just goes, hey, good morning. You ever felt that, that little nudge? You've had the nudge before where you're, like, you're walking through your day, and you're like, gosh, I feel like I'm in the presence of God for some reason. You ever felt that way? It's just Jesus saying, hey, good morning. How are you? and then our response is the worship they worshiped in such a way they did not want to let him go for fear that he was not real and they were all dreaming by the way the bible puts it in there that they grabbed his ankles to show that he was actually in bodily form there was a lot of a conversation of was jesus really real or was he a ghost there was all this stuff right like that's why matthew recorded it the way he recorded it, to say that no they're touching flesh and blood and bone they worshipped. And just like the Marys in this passage this morning, you and I will all meet Jesus face-to-face one day. Amen. And for and just for me, like I was thinking about that this morning and this week, there are parts of me that are super excited about that, but then there are parts of me that feel a little uneasy about that too. Feel a little uneasy about that too. Because I'm like, gosh, like I'm going to meet him face-to-face. Is, is he going to accept me? Like, he knows all the things. He sees all the things. He knows all the thoughts. He knows all the stuff that nobody else knows, right? Are you sure? Like, are you sure I'm good? Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that I'm good? Because I want to be sure and sure and sure that you're sure that I'm good. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. But we will meet Jesus face to face one day. And here's the reality. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. Because that has profound implications if we're waiting. If we're waiting now, it means something later. But if we want to meet him now, he is open and available. Verse 10. Tell the brothers to meet me in Galilee. One thing. Okay. So, while we... We celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry on Palm Sunday last Sunday. And then he has, you know, if you've been reading through the Gospels this week, we have all the things, you know, he's, he's healing people, he's teaching, he's being very aggressive. He's, you know, whereas before his ministry was kind of hidden and off to the side, he is in full view of all the power centers in Jerusalem at this point. Like there is no veil. He is not hiding himself. He is not mixing metaphors. He is going right at the heart of You're trying to clean yourself up, and you can't get yourself there. And what you need is to believe in me and my work, right? That's what he's doing. And so while Jesus is shining, which he should, his followers and his disciples are not having the same kind of week. Like, if you know the story, Peter denies him three times. You ever had that moment where you're like, gosh, would I deny Jesus if my life depended on it? I don't know, maybe. I hope not. I pray not. But I don't know. I'm not in that situation much. Peter was. He was scared to death. Denied him three times. Jesus told him he was going to die him three times, and he still did it. Like, I just, you know, like, the power of Jesus is kind of mind-boggling to me. And so they all scatter. He's crucified. He, He dies. They all scatter. They run and hide. And so their failure on Friday, they're nowhere to be found. Their failure on Saturday, they're nowhere to be found. There's guards at the tomb. And then on Sunday morning, okay, well, you know, he said, I'll resurrect on the third day. This is the third day. They're nowhere to be found except for the two Marys. But they're nowhere to be found. And even on their failure on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I don't know about you, like, like I'm my own worst critic. And I could be pretty harsh on myself, you know, and and, and I have those things. I'm like, gosh, I should have done that better. You know, I I could have done this better. You know, all those things. I don't know if you struggle with that or not. Like, I'm, but, you know, we could be our own worst critic. Like, the disciples had a bad week. Certainly didn't seem fitting of the culmination of three years of ministry with Jesus. I mean, he sent them out. They performed miracles. They healed people. They ministered to people who, who needed hope and and, 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 a, and a hand. And, and then when everything went sideways, they ran. But even in Jesus' grace, before he's even revealed himself, look at what he calls them. Tell the brothers to meet me in Galilee. Tell the brothers. Before, he only referred to them as his followers or disciples. But for some reason, post-resurrection, Jesus doesn't call us followers anymore. He calls us family. He calls us family. So even on their failure on Friday, Jesus not only restores the disciples, he elevates who they are and their position within his life. Because there's a difference between someone you work with and family. There's a difference between someone you're following on a podcast versus you're in a relationship with. Right? And so I just want to say this to you. I don't know where each of you are this morning, but you are significant to Jesus. You are significant to Jesus. And I know that because his his followers, his inner circle, I mean, John even refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved, the disciple who Jesus loved. Like just that little ad there. He failed. He ran. Jesus loved him in spite of he knew what he was going to do. Do you know that? Jesus loves you and me no matter what we do. Doesn't matter if we get it right tomorrow or we get it half right today or we royally mess it up next week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Doesn't matter what you've struggled with. Doesn't matter. There is hope and grace. Did you know that? Like there is nothing that his death and sacrifice on the cross cannot cover. You are significant to Jesus always, always. And so if you need to hear that this morning, my prayer is that you take that to heart. Let that soak in deep this morning. And so you remember when I started this morning by saying one of the greatest statements ever was, He is not here. Jesus died so you and I do not have to live in a state of spiritual deadness anymore. Do you know that? The whole reason he died is so that you and I can live lives that are spiritually alive. We can live lives that are spiritually alive. And so for some people that have received Jesus... The tomb that Jesus walked out of, you and I have also walked out of, if we know who Jesus is. And so what we've done is that we have walked out of the tomb meant for our hearts and our souls. You know Jesus is Lord and Savior. You have walked out of a tomb yourself. Do you know that? That's what's happened. There was a sin, a stone of sin, a boulder that has blocked the exit to the cave. And Jesus' death has rolled that away. Others for the tomb is now open and they've responded, I've been to this point, maybe this is where you are in your walk right now, I don't know. But you're still trying to wear the burial clothes. Tomb doors open, but you're still in the cave. You see the sun coming through the darkness. You see the light piercing the darkness. You're understanding what Jesus is up to, but you just haven't taken that next step out of the tomb. And you're living as if you're spiritually dead. Don't live that way any anymore. I know there are things that this world promises us, and they are fleeting and false. They are fleeting and false. Others, the tomb is, uh, uh, others that people have not allowed the tomb to be opened at all. And they know, and like, I know this, like, when I need to have a moment with Jesus, like, I know. And so, like, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like, there are moments in your life where in the quiet place, in that still voice, you know you need to respond. Right? And you just have it yet. And the reality of it is, is every one of us needs to respond to the resurrected, eternal Jesus this morning. We all do, because he is risen. He is risen. And here's the reality. No amount of money or good deeds or strengths or politics or best intentions or your job or your athletic accomplishments or your beauty or your hairline or your lack of a hairline like none of that matters. At the end of the day, it does not matter. Only Jesus can restore us to a relationship with God. I can't work my way there. Here's the thing. Even if I was perfect, I am still so far off the mark. Because either I'm going to be counted with him or be counted for myself. And like I said a second ago, I know all the things. But most important, he knows all the things. And I don't want to be counted with that stuff as much as, I, as it's happened And so here's the thing, it's okay to have questions and doubt. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was and still had moments of profound doubt. We just talked about that. Tell us that you actually are the one or do we need to go look for another? Guys, there is no other. There is no other Messiah. There's Jesus. He is here he has arrived. He is resurrected. Judas, who was one of Jesus' disciples, if you know the story, like he had a prominent place in, in the disciples. He had the money bag. And for three years he followed him and listened to him and slept with and slept and prayed with him and ate with him and traveled with him. Think about all the things that happened in Judas's life, and yet he still missed the point. It's so easy to miss the point. And so this morning, as we close, there's something I want you to consider. After Jesus died on Friday on the cross, and for you and for me, it was almost sundown, and Passover was beginning. Now, Passover was the celebration of Israel being brought out of Egypt, and if you know the Old Testament story, There was the angel that passed over the houses of the Israelites, and they were spared. And so every year, the Jewish faith would celebrate Passover. Matter of fact, it was required that all the Jews on the planet would come to Jerusalem. So that's what even makes his triumphal entry even more important on Palm Sunday last week. And so it was Passover, and it was against Jewish law for Jews to remain on the cross unburied. Do you know that? Like, it was against the law. Now, Rome, who was in charge, really, they would leave bodies up there as a deterrent to remind people, hey, you step out of line, it's going to cost you your life. Interesting. I mean, just the interplay here, right? You've got the controlling authority who uses a dead body for a negative effect versus Jesus who uses his dead body for a positive effect. I mean, just the interplay. So it was against Jewish law for Jews to remain on the cross unburied. Matter of fact, it says this in John 19, verse 31. You find it here. Since it was the day of preparation, and that means Passover, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away, meaning the two thieves and for Jesus. So they broke their legs in case they weren't dead, right? And the reality of it is, is while they were dead, like, when, like the way you live on a cross is you stand up to take a breath, and then you sink back down under the, your own weight. Get that? I, I realize that. But it was against the law also for a Jewish person to work after sunset during Passover. Not only could a body not stay on the cross, a Jewish person couldn't work to prepare a body. So that means Jesus was buried hastily because of the time of day of his death and the work needed to prepare his body. Like they had to get him down quickly and put him in a tomb quickly. Hardly seems to to be the way you'd want to treat a body. Anyway, let alone Jesus' body. And Luke 24, 1 says that both Marys had returned to the tomb Sunday morning carrying spices so they actually were not coming to see if he resurrected they were coming to finish the work that they couldn't finish on Friday can you, can you just imagine like they're carrying the stuff that they want to get somehow roll this stone away that they didn't know guards were at so that they could actually give Jesus a proper burial they wanted to give Jesus a proper burial and so why do I bring this up this morning at the end of our time I think it's easy for me and you, all of us, to hastily put Jesus off to the side because we do not have the time or we do not want to commit the time to get to know him in a relationship. I think it's really easy in this day and age. It's a lot easier just to be entertained than to actually be in a relationship with Jesus. And so this is true if you've been a Christ follower for a long time or you've not followed him a day in your life. And here's what it is. It's like, hey, Jesus, thanks for dying for me. I could take it from here. I'm good. For you self-reliant people in the crowd, of which I am, like, I'm good. I got it. Mm-hmm. And people always say, hey, ask me for help next time. No, I'm, I've got it because I want to prove that I got it. It's just a subtle way of trying to work my way to God. Or, hey, Jesus, you just sit over there in the corner, and I'm going to mostly ignore you unless life throws something at me that I can't ignore anymore. There's the flip side of the corner. And so I think today is a great opportunity for each of us to think about where Jesus occupies, the resurrected Jesus, the Holy One, the all-powerful One, the One that is eternal, the One that has died for you and for me, the One that walked out of the tomb, out of the grave clothes, and now is restoring and has restored you and me to a relationship with God the Father. Think about where that Jesus occupies the space in our lives. And here's the thing. Can I let you on a little secret? I need to do that too. I need to do that too. So Tanya's going to play. We want to give you a chance to respond in song. And if you're a Christ follower this morning and you want to give Jesus more prominence in your life, today's a great day to do it. It's a great day to do it. Then, If you want to come up and just pray for that, like we're going to have some people at the front here. If you want to be prayed for, that'd be great. If you've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would just say in that quiet place, I know this is a public place, but in that quiet place, maybe he's saying, yeah, today is the day. If you'd like to come forward and and be led in a prayer on what that looks like, we'd love to do that too. And here's the thing, there is no judgment. For whatever reason we come, is for whatever reason we come. Because the reality of it is this. Jesus died for all the reasons. Did you know that? He died for all the reasons, even the reasons that you don't know yet. Even the reasons that you don't know yet. So I'm going to pray, and they're going to play. Okay? Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are resurrected. And that you have walked out of that tomb and that through your death and now your life again that we don't have to live in the tombs of our lives and whether we've known you for a hundred days or none your grace is anew because as the bible says there is joy in the morning and so lord as we respond and song to that thank you that we even have the opportunity to do that when i think about what the mary's must have felt like this morning Lord, I want to be filled with that kind of love, that kind of devotion, that kind of response. Let us take hold of your feet today, Lord, in response and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.